when it comes to intra-team conflict, don't forget the heat. <laughs> Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Oh, very good. Very good. I didn't see that one coming, I have to say. That's uh, that's a good one. Oh, hey, everybody. I'm Dre Harrison. Welcome to episode 378 of Motorsport 101. And I bring you beef. Turkey, whatever you want to call it. Beef of the IndyCar variety. Because uh, we had IndyCar's Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio this past weekend. Presented um, by the new Honda Civic Type R. Mm, the brand new Honda Civic Type R indeed. And um, we're going to be honest with you here, folks. This wasn't the most captivating race at the front of affairs. That's right. This was a come down from IndyCar. Excuse me. This was a, IndyCar was a come down from Formula One, and usually that's the opposite. Increasingly, yeah. increasingly this year, we've actually been able to say the opposite. Indeed, uh, this was this was a bit of a uh, this was a bit of a uh, bit of a downer. Just something to take the edge off it for a little bit, but. We did have all hell break loose at Andretti because, oh lord, we had we had a meltdown. There is no better way of describing this: a meltdown between their drivers, their team boss, some of the broadcast booth. We'll get into how it, how it all broke down. That crater is still smoking. Oh yeah, it's a, it is rough out here up in these streets. I, let me tell you. Oh man, this was cray cray. So before we get into that, let me introduce my steam panel as ever. RJ O'Connell, how's it going, buddy? Racefans.net IndyCar contributor. I tell you that that crater is still hot smoldering. Uh, you may still want to wear a hazmat suit if mm. you were going to walk through and explore the ruins of it. <laughs> that's how that's how radioactive it is it's so radioactive it's gonna be it's gonna be played on every uh sports commercial bumper from the years 2014 to 2015 and on and on and on that's how radioactive it is mm. and we also have cam buckley how's it going man uh you those of you out there who are listening you ever play death stranding <laughs> and after the opening sequence a big explosion happened. you wake up in front of the biggest fucking crater you've ever seen yeah this is twice as big <laughs> that's one way of looking at it it's so big that we're ignoring the fact that Scott McLaughlin busted a six-race slump where he fell from the points lead to barely clinging to the top ten in the table with his first win since St. Petersburg. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the fact that World Power went from last to third after the first nope. racing lap of the race. We're, all we want to gawk at is the semi-truck that is on fire, burning, and being looted at the side of the road. <laughs> it was a brilliant analogy and it's actually so true because we break both of those instances down in the show coming up. I mean, I'm gonna talk a bit about the battle for the lead as well because we have to do that a little bit, right? Yeah. Just, just 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 a smidge. It's only fair. RJ, RJ, get, get get to the semi truck. It's full of PS5s. Ooh. Yeah, let's get into it. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, so while RJ scrambles to scalp some PS5s on eBay. I'll tell you the place we can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on eBay at ebay.co.uk forward slash harrison101hd for all the <laughs> that will go on sale. <laughs> We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter and motorsport underscore 101. to follow our personal handles, you can at harrison101hd, at RJ O'Connell, and at cbuckby917. We're on Instagram at motorsport101 pod for all our updates on there. Um, and of course, you can find all of these details all of our info and much more on our website motorsport101.com including race reviews of this race if you want even more details from your mans over here who wrote about this race 
and well, to be honest, I kind of skipped Britain for understandable reasons. If it isn't the three seven seven, you know why. But um, yes, all of that and more is on the website, including our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. You can back us financially on there if you want to help us out there. That'd be really cool if you could do that. So without further ado, let's get into IndyCar's Grand Prix in Mid-Ohio. Guys! We have our second repeat winner of the year. It's another Penske, and it's Scott McLaughlin. He's back. Scotty Mac. Uh, we love this... a Scotty Mac dub. We do love a Scotty Mac dub. One of the bus bros. Like, the bus bros now have five wins between them this season in IndyCar, which is wild to say the least. I think I'm right in saying they have as many wins as the field this season. You know what you <laughs> can say? This, yeah, one shit, more. this shit is bussin'. Yeah, it is bussin'. It is indeed. It is a uh, sweet ass, as he would say. Um, yeah, McLaughlin was just this good. It, it, it really is as simple as that. I mean, he took advantage of uh, McLaren's screw-up of monumental proportions, which we'll get to towards the end of the show. But if anything, it's again, just bad luck for Pat O'Ward, who led from pole hmm. position. But once Scott McLaughlin got to the front, impervious. No stopping him. No stopping him. Um, Pelot tried. Pelot gave it a good couple of cracks, and um, it was There's nothing he could do. Yeah, it it was a carbon copy of St. Pete from the fir- the very first race of this year, and in fact, the podium identical as well compared to that first race at the top of the year. Scott McLaughlin led most of the most of the running. Pelot got close, couldn't quite find a way through, and Power was just chilling in third because Will Power. Spun on the opening lap. <laughs> a, a, a desperation heave that didn't work out on the opening lap. It's Dave Zen Master. He mm. has been in this place before because Will Power spun on the first lap of last year's Mid Ohio race. He did, didn't he? That, yeah, he did. But unlike that being, a, but this time it wasn't a race ending collision. This time Power was able to drive all the way back through it and finish third. Third from twenty seventh. Third, it's like it's like title definer. It's like it's like he blinked and he gained five spots. It was just like wait, 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 what was back here? He just tore back through the field. Um, as said, like given the context of the championship right now, title saving day. Oh, gotcha. It's he turned what would have been a unmitigated disaster into seven points gained on Marcus Erickson in the title race, because the gap was 27 going into this race. It's now 20 for Will Power. Um, so, yeah, a good day for Will Power. Objectively, a good day. Maybe not the win, but certainly um, still points points gained in the title race, which you can't ask for much more than that in the grand scheme of things. Um I still love the fact, gentlemen, as well, that Alex Polo is still performing voodoo witchcraft to undercut everybody like crazy, and then magically he's second. How does he keep doing this? And then uh, he, he's he's absorbing Scott Dixon's powers through osmosis because he put in an Iron Man fuel saving stint to finish that race. Yeah, and he, he finished comfortably second, challenged for the win on multiple occasions and had the fastest lap of the race on the undercut. Because that's what Alex Polo does. He's just so, so good. RJ, RJ, I want to hear it. We've been new. We We've tried to new. tell him. And halfway through the season, he's quietly... He's not leading the championship, but he's put together four podiums. His only misstep was at Road America... And that one yeah. wasn't even his fault. No, yeah. no, it wasn't. Because, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a harsh one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Indy blew up in his face for reasons that were really out of his control. Yeah, and he's doing and yet, his damnedest to make up for it since. And he doesn't even yeah. have a win this year, does he? He, he doesn't no, have a pole. He has four podiums, but no wins. He, he's just doesn't. He's he doesn't just have burying these guys. He doesn't under have this consistency. Yeah. Sorry. He doesn't have a pole position. He doesn't have a race win. He's only 35 points out. Consistency matters. It, it really does. And, like, so, friend of the show, and we love it a beast, is Zoe Hamilton. Quite understandably putting this out to me when I was writing the review for this. 
This was Pelot's 25th start for Chip Ganassi Racing. He's finished on the podium 12 times. Almost so, batting a 50%. Yeah. A, a 48% podium rate. That's unfathomable. In right my, now, it ain't enough. When you're good, you're good. And boy, Scott McLaughlin needed to be good today because... After losing Texas by a fender, which came after finally getting that first win at St. Pete, he cooled off dramatically. Like mm. we what I think we were all like I think it was the Detroit race where we were all gathered together and NBC showed like a graph of how the championship evolved. And we could see Scott McLaughlin's line go from the top of the table to about eh, second and third, and then Crater right around the time he crashed out of the Indianapolis 500. He needed to get back onto form. And I'll tell you what, winning this race was a damn good way to do it. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. And it's just another highlighted example of how far Scott McLaughlin has come. You know, he, the, the ovals he clicked onto very, very quickly, astonishingly quickly, quite frankly. Um, I was never fully convinced on McLaughlin coming over in the first place, but this was another just impervious performance. Like he, he is a superb front runner. He can manage the field so well. He manages push the pass to the point where Polo burnt his out trying to stay with him, and McLaughlin, like he's done this twice now. This is once he's gone to the front. He's incredibly hard to beat. Like he's, he's done it three times this season. He's won two of them, and the only one he didn't, Joseph Newgarden, beat him with 500 yards to go. Um, Both won... times McLaughlin won, Polo has finished a close second behind him. The reigning series champion and as good as anyone in the field. Look, this guy is that good. He's special. He always has been, and... Honestly, I think he's one, just one of those drivers where you give him time, you give him the equipment, it doesn't matter what you put him in, mm. he will get there. It took him a little bit with IndyCar, but on his day, he looks just as good as Joseph Newgarden and Will Power, who have been here for a very, very long time. Yeah, Joseph Newgarden, who I will still say is as good as any racing driver on the planet right here and right here and now. You know, like, Newgarden is one of those few, I call them free-tool IndyCar drivers who can win anywhere. Um, and there's not and many. And has. And has won. He's, he's half a million dollars richer to show for it. Um, there's not many guys I would put in that free-tool club. I'm borrowing from baseball. I actually borrowed a little bit from cricket as well because I say that about people like Ben Stokes who can bat, bowl, and field on a super high level. And that's what that's what Newgarden is. And McLaughlin is starting to become that guy. And that is a scary thought for the field if he can start picking up. He still needs work on street tracks, but he's getting mm -hmm. there. Um, and he's only getting better. Yeah. There's, there's no drop-off at all. He's seventh in the championship right now, and he's in range of Dixon and O'Ward. There's no reason. If McLaughlin can finish top five in the championship second season, I think that's an overwhelming success for his time at Penske, mm -hmm. given that his teammates are Will Power and Joseph Newgarden. No, they're okay. Yeah, you know, two future Hall of Fame drivers if IndyCar had its own Hall of Fame. Yeah, two-time series champion Joseph Newgarden and series champion... And Indy 500 winner Will Power, who is one of the all-time fastest drivers this series has ever had. Objectively. Like, gee, more pole positions than I've had hot dinners. Like, that's elite <laughs> company at this point. You know, that is two of the very best drivers in North America by any shadow of a doubt. And yet they're all still second to Marcus Ericsson. Like they're all still second to Marcus Erickson. I love IndyCar. It's great. <laughs> that Indy 500 double points drip. Yeah, it's, it's he's still holding on to it. I mean, Marcus was what, sixth on the day this time he's around. Sixth on the yeah, day, and he started solid. about midfield. You know, if that's if that's one of your worst days, you know, he's not going that away, folks. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's not, not going away. He's like Alicia Spargaro. You're not getting rid of him. 
No, he's just even, if you, even if you still think he doesn't belong here, he's starting to th- he's starting to definitively say he does belong here. He does. There's no there's no doubt about it. I mean, Dixon's just sort of there. Pelos had a bit of bad luck, but Ericsson is racing at an elite level. There's no arguing about it at this point. He's he did this last year. He ran he ran off. I think it was nine top ten finishes in a row in the middle of last season, and no one noticed until he won in Nashville. Um, which was obviously a high-profile win for Marcus, to say the least, given what happened in that race. But he's not going away. Like I said, still has a 20-point lead on Will Power with Newgarden, another 14 behind in third. Um, but, I, gentlemen, I think I've put this off long enough. Oh, I just got all the PlayStation 5s out of the truck. Okay, we're good. Hey, oh, we're they're, all, they're all discless versions. Send them back. Shit. Oh. Uh, we're, we could still flip a profit off of this. If you Oof. don't know, uh, Dre, it was a tough day for for Formula One aspirants oh, and yeah? Ready Auto Sports. Mm, mm. And Ready Auto Sports. Oh, I always got that, that Southern United States thing of pluralizing proper nouns that you shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah. It was bad. And Ready Auto Sport, lay it on them. Give us the damage. I say, however bad that just was, it was not as bad as Andretti Autosports Day. No. Um, let's just say for a minute here, folks. Alexander Rossi became IndyCar's main character energy of the day. And uh, I don't mean that in no good way. No, um, you want to talk about what kind of main character energy he had? He had Arca Breaks Weekly. Oh, main character oh. energy. Oh yeah, no doubt. Subscribe to TMI Five G on YouTube. By the way, you will not be regret. You'll not Best regret content you'll ever watch. Yeah, rest <laughs> iris you'll ever watch. Shout out to Brendan. He does tremendous work over there um, editing Arca Break Weekly. So shout out to him. Um, but yes, uh, okay. So it's the middle of the race. Alex Rossi and Romain Grosjean are next to each other on track. Um, Romain Grosjean is on fresher tires. He tries to go round the outside of Alex Rossi into the hairpin. Rossi holds the inside line and then runs Grosjean into the dusty grass on the outside of the track afterwards. Remember that? It becomes important later. One lap later, Grosjean tries it again. Exact same move, carbon copy, into the hairpin, round the outside, tries it a second time. Rossi then understeers into the side of Grosjean's car, puts them both in the in the uh, grassy point of no return. Grosjean ends up in the wall, goes a lap down while they have to fish his car out of the grass trap, um, and Rossi continues on as if nothing happened. Later on in the race, when the caution comes out, I believe this was, this was the caution for Tatiana Calderon's car dying, I want to say. That's uh, right. Uh, um, oh, poor Tatty. Um, please find us some funding for God's sake. Um, as, as, a, as a quick side note, there. Um, fucking rocket. Anyway, um, yeah. During that caution, Rossi hits the side of Grosjean's car on purpose. Yeah. Dead left into him. Somehow, the second most deliberate move on American soil. In a race over the course of the weekend. Shout out to Noah Gregson. Oh. Ass. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to have time to talk about Sage Karam being the protagonist, the good guy in a feud of fuckboy versus fuckboy. We love the homeboy here. And yet. Yep. Yep. It's just crazy. We're not talking about the NASCAR Spinini series. We're talking about IndyCar. Yeah. So we also had Grosjean make a mistake outbreak himself into the heaven and put Colton Herter in the gravel trap as well. That wasn't nice. Um, Herter, who already was in a, a bit of a shit sandwich because uh, for some reason he was kept out during the, a, a delayed caution. Um, he was kept out, so he had to fall to the back of the field when he eventually could come into the pits. And then Grosjean accidentally punted Herter out into the gravel trap as well. And but wait, there's more. There's even more because later on in the race, towards the end of the race, Alex Rossi hip checks Devlin DeFrancesco. No, 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 to no, no, no. 
That wasn't a hip check. That was a shoulder charge. Yeah, it was a. It would get, it would get you red carded in a game of rugby. That was, was that a... time that Zidane Chara put Matt's Pacioretty into into the glass stanchion. That one time. That's yes. what kind of hip check that was. Yeah, it was uh, a rough one. It, it, it was it was on Devlin D. Francesco, who the one member of the Andretti team that had a clean bill. Poor guy got the guy who we dunk on terminally on this show. Yeah, got got shoulder-charged by Rossi into the downhill corkscrew um, and was had contact with Rossi for no good reason on Rossi's part whatsoever and made contact there as well. Now, there was an aftermath to all of this. After the race, we had Michael Andretti on a scooter. Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> what, he wanted to take Alex Rossi's head clean off. Shout he, out he, to, to friend of the show, Christopher DeHardy, for getting the here. scoop. The Lord's work got spotlighted on, on the redacted. Got spotlighted pretty much everywhere. On like the last weekend of his his old job writing for Front Stretch, he now writes for TobyChristie.com. Um, but yeah, he caught that interview. Grosjean had to be pulled away from the interview by a representative of Andretti Autosport. Indianapolis mm. stars Nathan Brown overheard and tried to record a conversation between Michael Andretti and Alexander Rossi's dad, Peter, and another representative, or maybe was the same representative, told him to delete his phone and stood there until he did. Which wow. Andretti later apologized for the heavy-handed, uh, intimidating way in which they... Uh, I, I was going to say, that's bullshit, and that's bang out of order for Andretti's yeah. autosport, I must say. That's, that You're in a public space, with journalists, they have every right to record the audio that's going down. That's you. You cannot force someone to delete their audio footage. That's yeah. bullshit. Do better, Andretti. Carry on, RJ. Sorry. Yeah. So, only today, after putting out all of these little fires, did Michael Andretti give a statement on the matter to the Associated Press? He says, "Our results in Mid Ohio did not go as planned. Sunday's display was disappointing and unacceptable." And not the way we operate on or off the track. Racing is a passionate sport, and we have four highly competitive drivers. However, we are one team at Andretti, and our drivers need to remember that we expect them to work together for the betterment of the team. That's the way it will be going forward. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> like right now, if this was a visual medium, I'd be playing the clip of uh, the meme of Usher going, "Watch this," <laughs> with my with my arms going from side to side because that's not that does not feel like this happened. The question I asked you, gentlemen, is just how bad was Rossi's driving? Should there be repercussions? And just how bad an Andretti meltdown is this? I can answer the first question. Uh, the first incident was incidental contact. Uh, the second one was a little, the second hit between Rossi and Rojan was rough. Rossi said he understeered in the car and the first impact knocked the wheel out of his hand and led to the second one. Uh, I was also, we didn't even talk about the fact that Roman Grosjean was not happy about this on the radio at the moment. And in, and as Grosjean was protesting the fact that he had to, protect his other teammates position his engineer one of his people told him well you're a lap down and i my thought was grosjean didn't have the opportunity to say well no shit alex put me a lap down yeah <laughs> uh you'd think that was a given yeah right <laughs> if you if you thought that either one of them deserved penalties for them hitting each other the ironic thing is they got the drive-through penalties that they probably deserved. They just got it for taking out two people within the team that weren't even involved in this shit to begin with. Yeah. Funny how that all They only out. got penalties with the respective incidents with Herda and DeFrancesco. Um, as we talked, we alluded to in the last episode about how I don't think that like, yeah, that was bad for Ferrari, but I don't think Charles Leclerc is going to leave the team over one bad race. Oh, my I, God. Andretti would have killed for the weekend Ferrari had. I will put it to you this way. If not for the work of Indy Lights driver Hunnell McElroy winning his first race mm. of the season, if not for the solid work of Jake Dennis to pick up points for the Andretti Formula E team at Marrakesh, 
And if not for the efforts of Marco Andretti himself, it's superstar <laughs> racing experience, almost getting the win at Stafford Motor Speedway. I was there. Shout out to Ryan Newman for the victory. If not mm. for any of those factors, this weekend would have been written off as a total institutional failure on the part of Andretti Autosport. Who, let's not forget our Formula One aspirants who have been agitating and trying to kick down the door because. The established fraternity of Formula One manufacturers do not want to give up a share of their constructors' championship money to let an 11th team in. And you know what? Full disclosure, I hate that. I hate that. Mm. It's but, shitty, and it's a, and it's just severe gatekeeping behavior. But, but if geez. you are tuned into that, if you are tuned into that angle, and if, if you, you have watched, watched this, anymore, you would think... This team is not fit for purpose as a Formula One entity because they can't get out of their own way as an IndyCar organization. I mean, that's no disrespect to IndyCar whatsoever because IndyCar gets enough disrespect from Formula One nutjobs to begin with. But come on! <laughs> this would be embarrassing in any form of motorsport. Any series. We laugh at this shit in NASCAR when... Back in 2007, DEI was having just complete implosions every other week, blowing three, four engines a weekend. At the, when at Brian the Vickers no, noted, uh, God, read up on Brian Vickers. Noted, <laughs> second, noted second degree accomplice of Ghislaine Maxwell. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Not it, Chief. Noted, like, we, we laugh at this when he was out here wiping out future Hendrick driver and current Hendrick driver to get the win at Talladega. Right. That was nowhere near as vindictive as the driving was today. It's like Rossi went out of his way to burn down any and all bridges left with Andretti that he could. I would not have been And then surprised. afterwards, mm, had yeah. the audacity to get up out of the car and say, oh, it's just a racing incident. I mean, he's going to downplay because... You turned dead left into him under caution. Yeah, it felt like he kind of. So they're checking. So they're about to take a green flag race start. It's a single file. Uh, Rossi moves over as Grosjean's locking up. It, it it definitely does not look good on Alexander Rossi, who let's let's remember he is in he is in the lame duck phase of his final year at Andretti Autosport. I mentioned that I don't think Charles Leclerc is going to leave Ferrari over one shitty race outcome. I wouldn't have been surprised if Andretti Autosport decided, you know what? Fine. McLaren, you can have out Xander Rossi for the rest of the season. Foyt, we know that you're dying to give Kyle Kirkwick off to us. We can go ahead and have him now. He drove... <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll keep it blunt. He drove like a dick. This was... I, I am so disappointed in Alex Rossi because I thought he was better than this. He is better than this normally. This is an, a remarkably talented driver. Right? He's still the top Andretti driver in the championship. Yeah, and this is a guy that was challenging for the title multiple times over, has won a 500 in his first attempt. Like, this is a free tool driver who can win any given race on a good day. We've seen him do it. He can do it. No doubt about it. I am so disappointed because this is a man who should know better. This is not a rookie who's come in in his first year and has gone in over his head. This is a almost decade-long veteran of single-seat racing, now in his 30s, who should know better. This, he drove like he snapped. He drove like something in his head had just gone, and he just thought, I'm going to go rogue and take out every one of my teammates around me. And the worst part about what makes it doubly embarrassing for Rossi is that people knew this was going to happen. Marshall Pruitt, in his Silly Season update post he put out last week, said it on the record that Grosjean and Rossi do not get along for whatever reason. Scott McLaughlin said on the record with Nathan Brand at the Indianapolis Star that yeah, that's been building all year. Yeah, he, like, he said that in the post-race press conference in front of everybody. Like, yeah. 
silly me because I'm not at the events this year. I I I knew Rossi was leaving the team. I did not know. I did not know that it had gotten this bad between the two. Uh, apparently, it was an open secret. Given, given by what these people are prepared to say on the record, it looks like it has been an open secret that these two do not like each other. And let's not forget when Graham Rahal and Romain Grosjean bump banged wheels at, at Barber earlier on this season. Who was the one man who was listening to Graham Rahal vent his spleen after that race? I don't know. I don't know. One of two, and we'll mm. get to him in a moment. Yeah, one Alex of the two Rossi. guys. One of the two guys, yep, that that he vented his spleen to was Alex Rossi. And I still think it it sits uncomfortably with me with some of the language that Rahul used to describe Grosjean in that incident where he talked about he should go back to to France if he's going to drive out or go back to Europe. And next time this happens, it's going to be retaliatory. It was borderline xenophobic. Trey, what do we talk about when we talk about the insulated nature of not just about like formula one and how it's a boys club. It's a boys club. What does IndyCar sound like when you have drivers saying shit like that? IndyCar comes across as the biggest boys club in motorsport. And I watch British Superbikes for fuck's sake. Um, Oh, that's how you know it's serious. Compounding that. Yeah, it's it, and trust me, if you watch BSB or World Superbikes on the UK, you know how much of a boys' club frat party it is. If you watch BT Sports Motor GP coverage, trust me, you know it's a boys' club. Um, and, and IndyCar has given off this same vibe for years. If you guys have read some of my earlier work, when I, I think I, when I, I talked about this when Alonso was doing the 500 and Hamilton took that accidental crack at him regarding. His qualifying, and he qualified. I think it was fifth on during that fight, his first 100 attempt. I think both things seem to be true. That, that yeah, Lewis, one t- Lewis took of- a crack. Lewis yeah. took a crack at IndyCar, and all of IndyCar rose to the challenge. Both things can but be you know true. What doesn't Formula, help? One, Formula One punches down on a lot of motorsport, but also IndyCar overcorrects by being way too over. RJ and Dre. Yeah. Yes. You know what doesn't help the boys' club mentality or perception. No. Yeah. When one of your commentators is so heavily biased, and this has been a thing all year, but I've kind of held my tongue on it so far, is so biased that he watches a deliberate incident and says it's the other guy's fault. James Hinchcliffe, I'm so disappointed in you. Honestly, like, it's such a shame. And I wrote about this as well. James Hinchcliffe is the only broadcaster I've seen in motorsport that uses gender-neutral terms to describe overall scenarios. And I praise him for that, because it's genuinely progressive, it doesn't take a lot of effort, and it's a very, very meaningful thing to do to help people feel welcome in motorsport. And generally, I think Hinch has done a very good job. He is far easier to listen to than Paul Tracy was, and I think the he bar is, is resting somewhere in hell. I know it's not a very high bar, but I think his work overall has been very good. Unfortunately, what puts a big fucking asterisk on all of that hard work is the fact you are so biased towards your boys in that paddock. Not just specifically your boy, but your boy, your podcast co-host. Yeah, your podcast co-host, Alex Rossi. And Zoe, if you're listening, cover your ears, because I know you love off-track of Hinch and Rossi as much as the next person I know. If you cannot do your podcast properly by being critical about one of your better friends, I know that, that both their families are very close. If you can't afford to be critical about someone that is hitting dudes on purpose on a racetrack because you feel like it's going to compromise the quality of your podcast, please turn in your microphone and do something else. Yeah, you, you cannot don't, you, do you that. You don't belong in the broadcast booth. No. you. It, it's incredibly unprofessional. Romain Grosjean had his fair share of aggression in this race, and I, I'm criticizing him too for what he did to Colton Herta. However, you cannot sit there with a clear conscience and tell me 
that Grosjean was responsible for any of the three incidents involving him and Alex Rossi. That's complete bullshit. You can't do that. And if you feel like you can't criticize Alex Rossi for that, please give your microphone back to Paul Tracy because I'd rather have him back in the Oh, no, 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 no. I'm serious. Yeah, honestly, look, rest in piss, Bozo. Watching him get spun at SRX is one of the most orgasmic feelings you'll ever feel in motorsport. Absolutely. He didn't even do that when I watched him at Stafford. Yeah, he actually had his one. You're his good luck charm, RJ. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Uh, Look. We've seen it. We've seen it in NASCAR when we've seen owners. Look, I love me some Dale Jr. One of the best commentators in all of motorsport for his love of the game. Yeah. But of course, he commentates a little bit differently when he's watching his cars do things that they really shouldn't out on track. And he's been open about that. And he's made about as much as an effort as he can to not do that when he's in the booth. Tinch, your commentary top to bottom is pretty damn stellar. He was doing this as a young driver climbing the ladder to this series. Like he's got, he's got, he's got the talent. Yeah, yeah, as as Dre puts in his notes, mates rates can't extend to his podcast partner out on track when Alex Rossi is being a legitimate danger to himself and others. You can't do it, man. You can't do it. You've got to draw. If you can't, if you're not prepared to draw that line, then have somebody else do it for you. As far as I'm concerned, you cannot do that as a broadcaster. I don't, and it's a damn shame because I've said this before, and I will, I will stand by this. Like James Hinchcliffe is one of the most charismatic and naturally gifted sports broadcasters that doesn't have a professional background in it. I have ever seen in any sport. He is a natural born talker. Uh, he is unbelievably good at it. Like. I if I had ten percent of his charisma doing this, I'd be a very lucky man. I guarantee you that. He's going to piss on his own bonfire if he keeps doing that. You can't do that. It's out of it's out of line. He's better than this. Absolutely, he's, he's better than yeah. stooping to that level. And to that effect, if you can't, I demand the return of Alan Bestwick for he is the best wick. I, I want to steer this back towards current Andretti Autosport employees because, mm. like, this season is lost. Forget yeah. any prospect of any of these dudes winning the championship. That is out of the table. I, I think this races... race really ripped the bandage off something I've been saying for a while. Remember I said a couple years ago that Andretti really can't support this many cars? Yeah. Because they, they went to another extra car, and they went to another extra car after that permanently. And it, they're overextended and they're under-engineered. And the best they can hope for on a given week is to see Colton Herta occasionally challenge for the win, but otherwise be pretty friggin' anonymous. And we know Colton Herta is better than that. Dude, <sighs> dude, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Because, like, they've not gone winless as a four-car enterprise since 2009 with a team of Danica Patrick an aging Tony Kanan, Marco Andretti, and Hideki Muto. That was the last time that Andretti Autosport ran four full-time automobiles and got zeros across the board in terms of gold medals. But RJ, we, yeah. we consider this as one of the quote-unquote big three in IndyCar. Yeah, the you look at this and you three. think that they We don't evaluate good... them on the course of winning a race per year. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they should be above that. I mean... They are, every time we talk about them, they are in the same company as Ganassi and Penske, and now they are getting left behind. Did I also mention, by the way, that Colton Herta has aspirations of getting to Formula One, and now he needs to have a perfect finish of the season just to finish at least fifth in the standings, which would give him a fair number. The bare minimum number of super license points that he needs for an F1 lease. And that's assuming anybody's still interested by that because what was the other thing? What was the, 
Think about all the other guys that came from IndyCar or CART to Formula One. Think of mm. Jacques Villeneuve, Juan Pablo Montoya, Sebastian Bourdais, Cristiano D'Amato. What do they all have in common? In They're their all last year before They're all getting, terminally successful. They all won the series championship, or in Juan Pablo Montoya's case, with a championship already on his CV, he won the Indianapolis 500. He's not even going to be eligible to make it. On pure results alone, you would look at Colton Herta and think, wow, this dude is only being pushed F1 for the for the purposes of promote for of American business interested. And he's better than that. Mm. And this one wasn't even his fault. The one time Brian Herta has a brain cramp on running his son's strategy, it takes away a podium finish and sets him up to be hit from behind. Devlin DeFrancesco has never met an incident that he doesn't want to be a part of this year. <laughs> Did nothing wrong. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, the, the, what, what's good? What's good about Andretti right now? Uh, their technology supplies Meyer Shank, who got two cards into the top 10. That's nice. A. Look. The way I look at it, before I move on as well, before before we move on to the last bit of the segment, I want to say as well, as much as Andretti was bad, IndyCar needs to take a look at itself in the mirror regarding its own driving standards. I've been screaming this all season long. They are partly accountable for this too because this was a horrible look for your series. And... It's enabled a lot of this shitty driving. How many hit checks into the grass have I seen this season? A dozen. At they don't get dozen. punished. Like, no, it's, it is largely legal to run someone out of... I mean, we saw it in Formula One. We've seen it successfully or unsuccessfully a couple times in friggin' MotoGP. Oh, it's yeah. It's just par for the course at this point in racing. And I don't mind if I'm they pump you. a little... I do. I, I do think that they need to stop. Like, taking there's a difference between races. hard racing and I'm going to run you out into the grass. Yeah. No, that that needs to be stamped out, and in an IndyCar needs to stamp it out now. And honestly, they should have. They should have told after the hit in the after the hit on the caution. They should have parked Alex Rossi for the rest of the day. That that was completely out of line, um, and the series should know better. Um and welcome yeah. to our welcome to our brand new consequence free culture of motorsports. Am I right, folks? I don't like I, it. I, I'm saying this with a grown up caveat that what Alexander Rossi did while having a terrible race was nothing to degree of any of the main characters the last two weeks of people in and around the Formula One paddock. Um, so I want to bring up this point that we have mm. talked about the semi truck. That is pulled over on one side of the freeway. It is wrecked. It is burning. People are looting shit out of the back of the cabinet while it is burning, disregarding their own sleep. And everybody on the freeway is slowing down, disrupting the flow of traffic, rubbernecking to get a good look at that semi-truck that is burning on the side of the road. And in all of that, they're not paying attention to the fact that some bozo has driven their brand new million dollar sports car into a ditch on the other side of the freeway. What, Pekka Vanyaya? <laughs> oh my mo- God. This is not the Moto GP <laughs> Cameron Buckley. Call it, you're calling a Citroen a million-dollar supercar. <laughs> Maybe the GT concept, but that was... I, I, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, they made, hey, they, they made at least one. There's one out there. Oh, dear Lord. Um, so, McLaren, folks. Oh, boy. They are, they are the super. It was, it, it was so good. It was so good. They had so much pace all weekend, and mechanical issues just destroyed everything they had built. Mm. Ugh. It's like, and it, it went on, like, four Chevys went tits up in this race, and, like, no one cared. That's the funniest part about all of this. No, it's no like, one cares when the car in victory lane still has a bow tie on the side. It helps. That's right. No one cares uh, when everybody is gawking at is gawking at the burning semi-truck on the road. That being Alexander Rossi and Romain Grosjean and all of Andretti Autosport collapsing it on itself. But this is pretty damaging, too, because... Patricia Award had the chance to jump up pretty high in the championship, at least to third from fourth, maybe even to second. If he held on to the lead from pole position, 
but instead he has a fuel delivery problem. He's losing power. And after his first pit stop, he just plummets down the order and it ends with him stopping at the exit of pit lane. Yep. He has a retirement, gets 20 gearbox place failure credit. Insult and, to injury with that one. Yeah. Mm. Felix Rosenquist was running top three on the alternate strategy. And eight laps into the race, nine laps into the race, his car dies. Pato Award took a huge championship hit. He lost 20 points. He drops to, I want to say, fifth in the standings. Mm. He is fifth in the standings. Mm. Felix Rosenquist really, really needs that podium because remember, he signed to McLaren, but we don't know which division. And if and we pretty much assume that Felix Rosenquist has this deal in place because McLaren SP does not see him as the dude to partner Award and Rossi for next year. So what does he need to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is that guy? Wins, podiums, top five finishes, Anything. and the car breaks down and he finishes last. Yeah. Um, couldn't have come at a worse time because he was genuinely on the pace this weekend and it just... Could have won this one. He's always done well at Mid Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Was was it not him who threw the house at Scott Dixon, his teammates? Yeah, lost by a nose. When lost by a nose at, at you know Dixon's domain at that point. I mean, it, it seems like every time McLaren gets a decent run of uh, momentum going, something whether it's internal, whether it's mechanical failures. Look, these are all components you buy. Sometimes you just get a bad batch yeah, or something externally like getting caught up in someone else's meth mm. that's really blows up in their face. Cause if they hadn't suffered that, they would have made a lot of progress in the championship. They would. And you know, they still have what I consider to be the best engines of this season. And mm-hmm. I'll say this in truth. I don't think they're in position to surpass Andretti auto sport in the big three discussion. I think they already have. But an people, are still, people aren't going to see that if they can't close out the championship. And if back-to-back mechanical DNFs prove to be the difference between Pato Award being presented the Astor Challenge Cup at Laguna Seca or not, they're still going to be seen as pretenders. Yeah, and there's no getting around that. Like, their situation is rough. I mean, Pato Award is now... I want to say 65 points off the top of the championship. 65 points out of Marcus Erickson. And Felix is 108 back. And Felix, again, as I alluded to, Felix has been on fire the last month. He's been excellent since since the month of May started. He's fighting for his job. Palo Award is fighting for a title. We know Palo Award is good enough to challenge for the title. He did up until the very last round last year. He was taken out by Ed Jones. We know Palo Award is good enough more than good enough and that's that's a potential season wrecker um back-to-back dnfs for him felix his momentum completely derailed and yeah three smoking cars out of the last four races the last two races i should say that's horrible for mclaren right now and look if we are evaluating mclaren as an elite level franchise now this is unacceptable it's this is not going to cut it now at this point. Like no. you're now expected to do better, and this just isn't good enough. Suffice to say, and uh, that's that's just not ideal at all. And yeah, they will likely get away with it, but oh, it's uh, it's not a good look. I'm so all. glad we're coming back to Toronto this coming yeah. week. Two weeks time, we're back. IndyCar is back in two weeks time. Um, in Toronto. Looking forward to that one. Not exhibition place. Yeah, we're back uh, representing the six. The rep spins from the six is back on July seventeenth. Um, first Indy Toronto race in three years post pandemic. We love to see it, and this is what I like to call the start of the gauntlet. We are going to have six races over the next four weeks. Um, in IndyCar, like after this break ends, we got Indy Toronto July 17th. Then we got the two races in Iowa the week after that. Then 
the second indie the indie Grand Prix, the Gallagher Grand Prix, on July 30th, and then Nashville on August 7th. A little bit of everything. You know, a, a, you know, street track, road course, and oval, six races in five weeks. It's going to be intense as all hell. And by the end of that block of five races, I think we're going to know a lot more about the state of the title race. Oh, but Jesus. I completely forgot that Colton Herta won the 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 first Indy Grand Prix. So they do have a win on the board. I got... Y'all, please uh, send your uh, please send your uh, editorial complaints. Uh, you can send them to at boris.johnson at gov.co.uk. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, you won't mind. He's not busy uh, or anything. Um, Gal- the Gallagher Grand Prix, of course, uh, sponsor. Uh, this is the end result of God's God and McMurtry Automotive's only Matt Chilton uh, sacrificing his IndyCar ambitions for the greater good. And of course, we get to race over freaking bridge at the start of August. How cool is that? That's very cool. That's all. That's always a winner, as far as I'm concerned. Right, let's get out of here, folks. That, that was a fun time. We'll be back next week for some Formula E from the Cash. That is Marrakesh, and then after that, we got Formula One in Austria. It's a sprint weekend. Yay! Yay. Rebel just announced wait. that that. That badly hidden secret that they've been hiding. Well, that they, they they might be taking some new power units on. Yeah, some German ones. Uh, some some small company that makes like modified Volkswagen Beetles or something. I don't. Yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. They might they might cause one of our co-hosts here to start helicoptering. Um, by the time that we, we categorically. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's gonna, you're not clear to climb to that flight level. <laughs> Watch him. <laughs> Watch him spin. Um, but uh, basically, you can find us one more time before we get out of here. YouTube.com, Motorsport 101. Facebook, same address. Twitter, Motorsport underscore 101. At Harris 101 HD. At RJ O'Connell. At C Buckley 917. Instagram, Motorsport 101 Pod. Website, Motorsport101.com if you want more on that IndyCar race at Mid Ohio. I'm trying to not sound like Tom Gaymore at the end of this podcast. It is weird. Forgive me. Um, like I said, we'll be back. Formula E, Marrakesh, next time. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been RJ O'Connor and Cam Buckley. Until then, sayonara. Bye. Oh, RJ, you see, you may not be on the show anymore, but you can still send your complaints to that Ryan Eric King on Twitter. Oh, no, no. <laughs> No, 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 he's he's got a he's got too much on his plate with with the Jalopnik commentary. I've not put that on him. <laughs> and I used to put it all on Lewis. <laughs> <laughs>